Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Sun Solar Panel. I appreciate you guys joining us on a Saturday morning. Uh, thank you for, for you know tuning in, and we are going to have a great show today. I want to introduce my guests. Uh, we've got Zona Hoops, my partner, uh, for every Saturday. How's it going, Zona? Not bad. Uh, excited Tory Craig's back. Nice pickup from Jones. Um, you know, they know it works. So why, why not get something you need without causing any drama in the locker room? So a uh, solid day for the Suns and a crazy trade deadline. So it's been a lot of fun. Crazy trade deadline across the across the whole country. The Suns did a couple yep. of little things we'll recap in the show. How are you doing this morning, PLR? What's going on? How are you guys? It's it's Saturday morning. I, you know what, though? I'm envious because every Saturday morning, Zona's hair is always perfect. I don't know if you've ever noticed, Perfectly but the line coiffed. is perfect. It's, even with the headset, it's like on, and it's always like ready model <laughs> to go. So, I, And we're always wearing hats or caps or visors, and he just comes out with the look how I look at 8 a.m., you two old dudes. It's, it's, I think it's, it's, it's something else every, every Saturday. I woke up like this. I, I didn't prepare, so I'll, I'll take it, though. Thank you. <laughs> His hair is so perfect that he doesn't even have to comb it in the morning, and it looks like that. Good. Thanks for telling us. We appreciate you. <laughs> All right. And joining us uh, from across the globe, here we are, Keith Smith, who uh, covers the Celtics for Celtics blog. He also writes for Spotrack. He is the best cap guru and money guy I've met, and and, and he's going to help us talk through the trade deadline a little bit, not only for the Suns, but also across the league. Keith Smith, how are you doing this morning? I'm, I'm doing well. I, I'm also jealous of the hair. I'm uh, my Mine's going the other direction. It's starting to go away. I may just give up on it eventually and, and let, let nature take its course. Just go shaved? Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know that I'll shave, but I think if it, if it keeps falling out, it, it, I'm not doing much to replace it. <laughs> Mine is 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 fine. I just don't feel like combing it before the show starts <laughs> this early on Saturday. So, all right. Well, thank you all for being here, and uh, let's get going. Uh, we got Keith for our first segment. First segment today, we're gonna we're gonna recap the trade deadline and and preview the buyout market just in case uh, there's some juicy names out there. And then the three of us, Zona, PLR, and I, are going to recap the last week, talk about the impact to the Suns on what's happening, do a true-false section, 
and uh, talk about what's next. So we got a big show. First thing I want to do, though, is thank a couple of fans for watching this show uh, who left five-star reviews on our Apple podcast uh, feature there. Uh, they, they'll take reviews, and I appreciate a couple of people who left one in the past week. Um, you've got Gavin, S24, an Apple podcast, uh, saying great content, love the guests, and in-depth on discussions, including having Keith's guys like Keith Smith on. Yes, I really appreciate Keith doing that. Gavin is from Australia. And then we've got Bernard from Apple Podcasts in the Philippines left us a, a, a five-star review. Still the best Suns podcast around. Thank you, Bernard. There's a lot of competition out there. Everyone's got their own shtick, their own way of doing it. And uh, I appreciate that you're, you're, you're here for us. Thank you so much. Those are some five-star reviews from around the globe. Thanks, everybody. All right, let's move in. Trade deadline recap. <clears throat> I want to give the basics. And then we're going to ask for some analysis from Keith on how everything happened. Uh, first of all, um, James Jones went in Wednesday. He went on his weekly radio show and basically gave the hint that he's trying to do something. He's trying to make some changes. In the last couple of years, he goes on that Wednesday before the trade deadline show, and he's saying, no, we're not interested in making any changes. Um, and so this year he was interested, and the Suns made a couple of moves, and one of them was very creative. The first one was easy. He swapped what we had been talking about for months and thought it was just too easy to do, and it turned out to be easy enough to get done, which was swapping Jalen Smith for Tory Craig. Tory Craig, bringing him back into the fold, he, he makes $5 million a year for two years. He got $10 million from Indiana after playing so well for the Suns in the second half of last year. And uh, now the Suns get to bring him back for the small price of Jalen Smith. We're going to recap Jalen Smith's debut in indiana um for that trade but uh first of all keith what do you think do you think that was a good trade for the suns uh swapping a defensive oriented uh three basically three four for jalen smith who could end up being a very good player yeah i i think for the suns that's a no-brainer they're they're trying to win a championship and not it's not necessarily about developing kids. And if it was, they probably wouldn't have declined the rookie scale team option for Smith. So his his future in Phoenix was pretty limited. It looked like you're 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 trying to make sure you get the most out of Chris Paul's years left. And I mean, at this point, who knows when he'll start slowing down because it's certainly not this season. But it's you're you're just trying to make sure you're you're doing everything you can to maximize at least these next few seasons because that that's your goal. And then after that, you move forward with DeAndre, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, whatever it looks like, Mikhail Bridges, you, you figure that out and sort through it then. But for right now, if you could take a guy who was at that point a non-rotation player, right? He had mm. slipped behind a few others in the rotation and swap it in for a guy who maybe becomes a rotation player, but if nothing else gives you massive insurance on the wing, that that's, that's a no-brainer upgrade. And, and they only took on a little bit of money to do it. Uh, Blaze Megatron in the chat asks, anyone else think that trade is terrible if we hadn't screwed up the sticks contract? Now, the screw-up of the Sticks contract was the Suns not guaranteeing year three of Smith's contract after a weird rookie year in which he didn't get a chance. The Suns went all the way to the finals. He didn't get a training camp. He didn't get a preseason. He didn't get anything. He looked like a baby giraffe out there on the court when he did get out there. Um, but already cutting the court and not guaranteeing year three, a real easy guarantee for $4.5 million 
Uh, Zona, I want your opinion on that. Do you think that was a terrible um, a move? No, I think given the circumstances, especially declining his, his uh, option, the writing was on the wall. So you're, you're going to either lose him for nothing or <clears throat> get someone like Tory well, no, Craig. But, but if they had not guaranteed, if, oh, so if they if had they, guaranteed year three, if they had guaranteed year three, should they have made the Tory Craig for Jalen Smith trade? Um, I probably still would have just because you're a contender. You need someone that you can trust in the playoffs, and that's Craig. Uh, Jalen Smith could end up being a, a great uh, rotation piece down the road, but I just don't think he's ready for that. So I have no problem with the trade, to be honest. Um, the real mistake was on draft night by not taking Halliburton. Uh, but then look at Sacramento. Halliburton, just, who was traded for a two-time for some All-Star. Bonus. So, exactly. So that, that's the difference. They traded him for <laughs> so some bonus. has got Tory Craig for theirs. Craig. <laughs> PLR, what, what's your take on this? I think the trade was was very smart. You're you're in, you're in essence trading a fifth stringer for Tory Craig, and I understand what you know. A lot of people saying, "Well, if if if," but he's the fifth string guy. He's going to be behind Biombo McGee Frank when he's healthy. So why why I don't he's actually the sixth best center on the roster if you count Dario. Well, right. So, so I understand the Suns are not in the development business right now. That's that's going to be more Oklahoma City. They're in the development business right now, and so you have to be careful when you think of what the potential is versus where is he going to play. And what you don't want is trying to figure out how to develop a center when you have a center that you have to figure out how to give max money to. I'm not concerned about a center. That didn't get four, four or five million. I'm more concerned about my center that wants 125 million, 153 million. And so I think you have to look big picture, not what he's done uh, the last few weeks. Plus, you got to remember the last few weeks, and, and fans have to understand this, he was being showcased. So you can make yeah. a trade for him and get someone uh, <laughs> back to fit that salary slot. It wasn't like he was just playing because, hey, let's play him and display him so we could stash him later is let's play him and show what he could do so we can move him if possible so hey keith i want to ask you uh, blaze also uh commented that i'm actually happy either way sure uh, it just felt like sticks and a second was a touch steep so throwing the and a second um how important are second round picks in today's nba in the nba today keith and and is that really something uh that we should be uh thinking about yeah it's there, it it kind of depends on the second. Um, if it's you're talking a second like this coming draft that was from Orlando, Detroit, or Houston, then it's pretty important, right? Those are good. It's the picks. top of the round. Yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes picking 31, 32, 33 is better than picking 29 or 30 because it doesn't come with the locked-in rookie scale contract for the four-year deal plus the restricted free agency at the end. But it's if you're talking picks that are later, yeah, they, they're they're currency to be used now. Sure, every draft somebody pops from the mid 40s to you know 50s, and we'll look great. And every few years, there's an Isaiah Thomas who you know was the last pick in the draft, and you know shows up and is and is you know has a good long career. But in this case, why you had to send their this pick to uh 
Indiana with Smith is that's your balancer because now the Pacers inherit the same issue the Suns had of if Smith pops, you're still stuck. You can only pay him the amount of his declined rookie option, which is, I believe is about 4.6 million. So that's, that's tough, right? You're, you, you got to do something to kind of incent the, the Pacers. And, you know, and, and as we said before, you're not trying to develop guys right now. You're, you're trying to win yeah. a championship. Torrey Craig's going to go a lot further towards winning a title this year than anything Jalen Smith would have done. I mean, as you guys just said it, the sun, it, if the Suns were down to Jalen Smith playing a big role in the playoffs, everything has gone wrong, right? <laughs> at that point, you're, <laughs> that's a really you know, good way to put it. Yeah. At that point, it's, you know, call, call it what it is and you're, you're not making that run probably. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I think this is almost, as you said, to lead it off, Dave, this is a no brainer of a trade. Cool. All right, let's move on, and we'll t- we can talk. Uh, we'll get more into Jalen Smith as as the show goes on and, and weeks go on as he showcases himself in Indiana for a big uh, summer free agency. Let's move on to the really creative Aaron Holiday trade. So uh, Shams, I think it was Shams. Uh, somebody reported, "Hey, the Suns are acquiring Aaron Holiday," and we're all like, uh, "For who? Like, who's going out?" Nobody went out. They uh, brought Aaron Holiday into a disabled player exception that none of us knew about. It's not like uh, a James Jones has to tell us what he's doing every day. But was there any inkling that, um, and is there usually any inkling, that a team has um, executed creating a disabled player exception? And can you tell us how that works, Keith? Yeah, sure. So the disabled player exception is, it, it gets confused with especially in a year like this where we've had all these hardship absences and teams have sometimes had 20 players on the roster at a time it's a it's a cap mechanism not a roster mechanism it doesn't come with an extra roster spot or anything like that so what happens is when a player is thought to be out for a long period of time so in this case dario sarge the Sons petition the NBA to have an independent medical board review Dario Saric's injury and determine is he more or less likely to return before the end of the season. If it is less likely, then you can get a disabled player exception, which is worth half of the player's salary up to the amount of the non-taxpayer mid-level exception. So in this case, it was you know four and a half, five million dollars in that range. Um, because that's half of Sarge's current salary. Now, there's some stipulations with this. The idea is Sarge is not on a career-ending injury in this case, so it's to replace him for the remainder of this season only. So what happens is you can only acquire one player that comes in that is on an ending contract. So they can't have a player option. They can't have a team option. They can't have an extra year. can't have a non-guaranteed year. None of that stuff has to be an ending contract. And you can only acquire one player who fits within that. If you use the whole of it, great. In this case, the Suns did not. They used most of it. There's a little left over. But once you acquire one player, it goes away. Best example of that was the when Gordon Hayward's leg snapped in half for the Celtics opening night a few years back. They later signed Greg Monroe for $5 million, which was left about three something million left of that disabled player exception, but it goes away. So in this case, the Suns 
they, they had to create a roster spot to bring in Aaron Holiday, mm. but the cap mechanism to bring in Aaron Holiday was using that disabled player exception for Dario Sarge. And yes, Holiday can be a restricted free agent at the end of the season, but functionally his contract ends at the end of this regular season. Right, right. So they basically bought three months worth of another backup point guard uh, to put on the roster, and they had to create the roster space, and they did that by releasing Abdel Nader, uh, who was on a two-year but second-year team option deal and has basically missed the, the last year of basketball because of a knee issue that won't go away. Uh, he played for a few, uh, like a couple, of, he showed up in the Western Conference Finals for some weird reason after being out three months last year. And then this year, uh, he played like a, a half a dozen games or a dozen games before going out again with that same knee, and he just cannot get um, he just cannot get healthy. So Monty Williams was a little de he sounded a little down about that, depressed. I, I, Monty Williams is not a just for show guy, so uh, you, you know we've joked about get someone to love you like Monty Williams loves Abdel, Abdel Nader, and um, now here we go. Here we are where Monty had to actually let Abdel go so that they could bring Holiday into a roster spot. Now, Keith, you remember Abdel Nader from his years with the Celtics. He had a couple of years there. And uh, so how depressed are you that Abdel Nader <laughs> had to get released from the Suns? All right, you guys go get your morning coffee and I'll wax poetic here for the next uh, half hour. Or so. No, <laughs> not uh, that. Give us the short, give us the elevator speech. <laughs> yeah, right. Abdel Nader is a, uh, he, we, we, we like to call him a Celtic Summer League legend because he played insane in Las Vegas one year to the point where Celtics fans are like, this guy's going to be a starter. He's amazing. And right. We all love summer league. And the best part of it is let's overreact wildly to guys who will barely make the roster. But yeah, I mean, I like Abdel Nader. The, the part I have not, I had not seen uh, Monty Williams comments, but I don't, know a lot of players who are more universally liked than Abdel Nader. Guys really enjoy him. Uh, he's just one of those teammates you like having around uh, and those things. But, you know, you have to – you got to create these roster spots somehow to, to bring in guys. And I think there seems to be at least some level of concern about campaigns injury and, and when when he'll be back and getting a, an additional point guard in there is is big over Peyton's had his moments but I think Aaron Holiday's probably an upgrade over Peyton if nothing you kind of one's working or not working you pull we him are up praying one in. that <laughs> that Aaron Holiday is an upgrade is over Alfred Peyton right? yeah well the, it, the, the Bucks welcome to Orlando on, on and everybody Thursday else, night right? the Bucks did hack a Peyton to put yeah. him on the line at the end of the third quarter to try to cut down. The Suns were playing their entire bench unit plus, well, four bench guys plus Devin Booker. They had a 17-point lead. The Bucks were trying a last gas to get back in the game, and so they kept in Giannis, and and they had at least one of uh, Holiday and Middleton out there. And they, they hacked Alfred Payton to put him on the line to try to make sure the Suns didn't score two points every possession, and they only got one or zero and um it didn't work for the bucks he did only make one of two but it still didn't work for the bucks uh and uh that was that was the best run for the bench that we've seen in over a week uh we are praying that aaron holiday is a little bit better now r in the chat i'm gonna uh plr um have you ever watched aaron holiday play and does he remind you of just a javon carter with hair as r says in the chat <laughs> wow that's cold um 
I would take it though. Think about it. Javon Carter was an energy guy that for that run in a bubble, I think that's where Suns fans fell in love with him. So if he has that same energy but can shoot, listen, I think sometimes we get it, we we fall in love or or as fans, you start thinking about what this guy can do. As a, as as his role, I only need what he can do for the best that he can do it for seven minutes. I don't need it for 24. I don't need right. it for 48. If he's a good shooter, I need that shooting for six, seven minutes. If he's a great energy guy, I need that for six, seven minutes. So is he an upgrade? Yes, because this floor needs to be spread. You need to have shooters. They're full of defense. He can defend. It's not like he can't defend. They only need it for five to seven minutes. So I think everyone should kind of relax when they look at expectation of role players. There's a there's a reason why they're role players. There's a reason why yeah. you got him yeah. for the the price and the way you got him. So six seven minutes. That, as yeah, it. as excited as we are, we're talking about two guys that might combine for 15 minutes in a playoff game. Uh, Tory Craig and and Aaron Holiday. How about you, Azona? What do you think? Yeah, I think the strangest part about this entire deadline is both these guys were James Jones guys that were linked to him uh, before. And usually Jones just goes like, <clears throat> I don't know where he'll just add someone or like, oh, we should have seen that coming. But this was kind of right in front of us. Like the Suns had a high amount of interest in Holiday in the, the pre-draft process back in 2018. Uh, they were linked to him last trade deadline. And and now with you know Washington being Washington, uh, you know, just seeing that situation, it seemed like a, a no-brainer. Uh, to get some guard depth, you know, it's he plays hard. That's the one thing I've noticed is every game seems like, you know, Washington's struggling a little bit or, you know, down by 20. Uh, he just keeps playing hard. So I do think he fits that Javon Carter role a little bit in the sense that he's going to pick up 94 feet. He's going to annoy the hell out of other guards and, and just try to, you know, play pestering defense. And that's what he did to Chris Paul uh, when the Suns played against them recently. And you could tell yeah, Paul was getting annoyed, annoyed by him. Yeah. So it just goes back to that JaVale McGee thing back in the playoffs when Denver was getting their ass kicked and JaVale is still trying uh, really hard and Chris Paul took notice of that. So I think he just fits in the culture of they're going to try very hard and he's going to be a great locker room guy. Uh, he's probably not going to play a lot, but when he does, you know, he's going to go all out. Yeah, what I saw of Aaron Holiday, very limited. So I'm looking forward to seeing him over the next week before the rest of the Suns backcourt backups come back. That's a lot of words, the uh, use of the word back. Um, but we're going to see Aaron Holiday a little bit. And I, what I saw in the Wizards game for the Suns a week ago was Aaron Holiday can drive. He can finish at the rim. And I think he's making 73% at the rim this year, which is unusual for a six-footer, which is nothing like Javon Carter. Javon Carter, I think, shot 10% at the rim uh, or something low like that. And uh, Holiday is a career 37, 38% free throw or three-point shooter which is good. Uh, the Suns need that. Alfred Payton refuses to shoot. And when he catches the ball all alone on the wing, what he does is he drives into the, he goes and finds defenders to stop him from shooting. Um, so I, I, I think Aaron Holiday might be an, an upgrade there. Okay, now we're going to move on. So that's the Suns at the deadline. Uh, they acquired a couple of guys who might combine for 15 minutes in a playoff game, um, but they're at least better off now. I wrote on Bright Side of the Sun, that Aaron Holiday is a right now acquisition. Uh, not only is he only on the scene for three months, but also for the next month, they really need a more backup point guard time 
because Chris Paul has been playing 37 to 40 minutes every game since campaign went out because they don't trust Alfred Payton. So that's good. Uh, now we're moving on to buyouts. So Keith, you wrote an article the other day, things changed by the deadline, but so, but you wrote an article the other day on top buyout candidates. Who do you think are the guys who are going to be most sought after at the buyout on the buyout market in the next week? I think the number one guy right now is Goran Dragic. I know y'all are very familiar with him. Um, hasn't really played uh, all year. He played very briefly for the Raptors early on, but it's expected the Spurs will buy him out sometime within the next few days. And then we'll see where he goes. There's um, a lot of different reports. It, it looked like maybe Dallas was where he would land to play with Luca, his countrymen. And, and now that has turned into a situation where that's probably not going to go that way. They, they picked up Spencer Dinwiddie. It doesn't seem like that. There's a lot of buzz that he may go back to Miami. Now people really could thought you have to trade a guy. You couldn't get him. Well, he can now because he went to a third team. Uh, so because it'll be the Spurs buying him out. Uh, he's right. been in Miami. He stayed there training in Miami recently, and we know he's you know very linked to the Heat organization. So I would not be surprised. Plus, as well as Gabe Vincent has played for them, I think he may be there. Now, Dad Young was probably the second most popular bio candidate. Oddly got swapped for Goran Dragic, but he's not mm -hmm. now going to get bought out because the uh, the Raptors are very happy to have him. So, so that turns into... It becomes a slightly depressed buyout market. One thing I will say on the buyout market, too, is it's pretty rare that one of these guys really delivers and becomes a huge part of things moving yeah. forward. Uh, There's know, a reason that they're available. <laughs> exactly. After yep. the trade deadline, their team, team didn't want them so badly. Yep. They just said, just go. Yep, that's exactly it. And that's, I think, what, what gets forgotten uh, a little bit on, on that. And then the, the other thing is you don't have um you know so many guys sitting on the ends of these really bad rosters that are gonna get bought out because there's teams that are still in it but Dennis Schroeder could get bought out uh some some folks think just like uh John or just like Blake Griffin a year ago didn't get traded said I'm not giving up anything and then like a week or two after was like all right, you know what? I want to play that. That yeah. may be the route John Wall goes uh, with the Rockets. Now you're talking a lot more money, so we'll see what that looks like. But the Rockets have have long said we're willing to entertain a buyout if John Wall's willing to give up a good chunk of change. Does John Wall look at it and say, "Man, I could go catch on with any number of teams and be their backup point guard and really maybe lift them into you know a postseason run?" Yeah, I'll give up. 20 30 million dollars of the 90 plus million that's owed right. to me to get he's free. got multiple years left exactly he's got two years left at you know 40 you know 91 million total um for those two years so what are the chances eric gordon gets bought out yeah very very minimal they um they still think that they can trade him and they felt like they, they like the what he's given them um, alongside Jalen Green, Kevin Porter, some young guys. He's been a good veteran mentor, which just means I'm old that we've hit Eric Gordon veteran mentor stage of his career now. Like that just means I've been doing this too long. Um, but it's so they're they're not going to buy him out. Uh, they'll revisit trading him this summer when he becomes a pseudo expiring contract because he's got a non guaranteed year after that. So uh, 
the other place where people are looking is Orlando. Orlando did not do any major trades at the deadline. Uh, they, they took in a couple small salaries to pick up a couple second round picks, but Gary Harris, we'll see the challenge for the magic right now is they've got a lot of injuries in their backcourt. They really like Gary Harris. They think he could be a guy who has value in a sign-in trade uh, this offseason. So I don't know that he's going to get bought out. Robin Lopez has been bandied about, but he lives, uh, you know, uh, you know, down the road here in Orlando where I am, and he loves being here. He's a you know big yeah, Disney he's guy. A Disney big, guy. Does he have? Uh, does he have a residence in Disney? He actually lives in his brother's house, which is on Disney property. Okay. Um, <laughs> so yes, he is. Uh, yeah, he, he's he's living there. So um. But yeah, so we'll 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 see if anything happens there. He his approach has been what it was. If you remember when he was on the Bulls a few years back when they were really bad, was hey, if they want to buy me out and another team wants me, great. If I get traded, great. Yo, know, uh, I yeah, I'll do my thing. He he's just got kind of the most like if somebody wants me, that's where I'll be. Attitude of you know just about anybody in the league. So so we'll we'll see. There'll be some name that pops up that none of us were expecting, like Low Marcus Aldridge a year ago. Um, yeah. you know that 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 none of us were you know oh wow that guy's gonna get get bought out. But if you're pinning hopes on the buyout market to deliver you a guy who's gonna lift you to a you know deep playoff run, you're you're probably not a great team to begin with. <coughs> Lakers. <laughs> yeah, yeah right but the yeah, lakers well, can't be the great thing is sending a couple vets out that nobody wants uh to yeah. just to clear roster spots for deandre jordan and kent Bazemore. the minute the lakers see hey this guy wants to come and he's even a slight upgrade those two guys will be put on waivers yeah oh it what could possibly go wrong when you're signing signing buyout uh candidates for the guys you acquired last summer that already ruined your season i mean hey come on yeah. Um, last question for you and then we'll let you go. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, you've watched him for half a year. So, okay. So you went through it with the, with the guards, Eric Gordon, not going to get bought out Gary Harris in Orlando. You, you, you kind of touched on Orlando. Maybe we'll have some buyout candidates. They've got Terrence Ross and Gary Harris. Um, Terrence Ross, for some reason has not been traded in the last couple of years. So he's just sitting there. He looks like a great shooter off the bench. Is there, is is there a reason Terrence Ross doesn't get wanted by other teams, or is it just Orlando loves him so much they can't let him go? It's right in the middle of that. Other teams like Terrence Ross, but they see his shooting has slipped the last couple of seasons. Uh, heading into last year's deadline, he was on a bit of a slump, so that kind of depressed his value. Plus, he had three years left on his contract at that point. And then this year, he has not shot well at all. I think he's down in the low 30s uh, this season. So that, that has the magic basically saying, hey, this guy's – worth a first round pick to us that's where they went at the deadline and if not we'll approach moving him in the summer we're we're, we're not gonna you know we don't need to do this because they've got him for one more year under contract and other teams are saying eh, how about two seconds and not even necessarily good seconds either so that turns into you know where that guy gets stuck and he sticks and and stays i was told uh you know that they they had a lot of interest in him but they weren't gonna move off of looking for at least one decent you know, asset in return. And they, they, they feel like they, they can move him much like Eric Gordon feel like they can move him this summer. You asked about Dennis Schroeder. Um, yeah. yeah. Dennis Schroeder is, is tough because there are definitely things he brings to a team that are good. He's 
pretty good scorer when he when he's playing with pace he can be really tough to to guard and those kind of things but it's there are times with with Schroeder where it's you watch and you're like does are you playing the same game as everybody else because he's mm. holding the ball he's dribbling you know 20 seconds of a possession away and it's not going anywhere and that starts to get really you know for me it gets really old after a while of you know watching that night after night so my <laughs> guess is the rock this year yeah, exactly. Uh, my guess is the Rockets will will ultimately buy him out, uh, let him go. He'll catch on with a contender looking for point guard depth. And we'll see. Lakers. I thought before the Suns got Aaron Holiday, I thought he might be a good that mm-hmm. might be a good landing spot because I think Chris Paul has that kind of gravitas to keep him, you know, under his wing and say, hey, you gotta you know play a certain way here. But now I don't think Phoenix would be interested. I think they'd say, nah, we're good. We're, we're we'll wait for Payne to get back. We'll get by with Holiday. Uh, until then and, and do do our thing but yeah we'll, we'll see he'll catch on somewhere and then we'll see what he does from, from there all right the moment we've been waiting for is finally here in honor of the big game DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of super bowl 56 is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team bet just five bucks and get 280 in free bets if your team wins DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code TBPN, TBPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Got to be 21 plus. Minimum age and location requires vary by jurisdiction see draftkings.com sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources void where prohibited gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in tennessee call or text the tn red line 1-800-889-9789 in connecticut call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat in new york call 877 8 H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. Okay, thank you so much for your time today, Keith. I really appreciate you uh, calling in. We are going to move on. Thank you so much. Uh, We are going to move on to the next quarter. Uh, Sorry for freezing you guys out for a little while there. I appreciate you guys uh, hanging out, Zona and PLR. Now we're going to get into Suns Talk. And we're going to have a lot. Uh, we're going to get you guys more back involved. So drink your coffee and, and uh, wake back up. Thank you so much for having Keith on here for his segment. Um, now we're going to recap the week. The Suns had a pretty good one. Zona, who predicted the Suns would go 4-0 this week? Not me. Uh, you guys are correct on that one. Uh, I, I'll take the L. But, hey, every time I, I say they go... I think I picked him to go two and two, uh, knowing that it was a reverse jinx. So you guys are welcome. Reverse jinxes. I'm big on reverse jinxes. So uh, usually I'm trying. I'm the one trying to do that. Four and zero this week for the Phoenix Suns. PLR, did you think they were going to go four and zero? I did. Remember, I thought they'd lose last. That's week, right. One game, but but I did. I it, you know what? I just I like the matchup, and there was there was incentive playing. Milwaukee at home and and everyone can talk about yeah that was the finals yeah it's just a regular season yeah there was incentive to play them and you you want to send a message not just we could compete with you but if we were whole and we had our size 
we would have kicked your butt. And I think that's the message they wanted to send. And, you know, the one thing, though, I, I do like uh, about the Suns a lot with Monty is they never look ahead. And a lot of teams get caught looking ahead. So they don't lose those those trap games before the big game. Um, sometimes they don't always play the way you want them to play, uh, but they win in the end. I just like the fact they don't look ahead. And that happens a lot in the NBA is that just for whatever reason, this team really does take every game as every game. And I think that's really impressive. That's a great point. I think that Philly game especially was uh, just a perfect example of that, you know, down by 14, second night of a back-to-back on the road, uh, having trouble to stop Embiid. It just, it seemed like, you know, they could have easily just lied down there and just, you know, taken the L and, they had excuses lined up, but they said, no, we're, we're going to keep trying to win every game we play. And uh, to me, that was the most impressive win. I, I thought that one was just a scheduled loss, to be honest, but yeah. uh, just really impressive for them to pull that and out. Down 14 in that game. Yeah, down 14 um, and just beat Chicago the night before. So, uh, you know, this team just has no stop. They want to keep stacking the wins, as they said. You know, they're all super competitive. So I don't see that stopping anytime soon. I still remember campaign saying last year that uh, he thought it was great. I talked to him in May toward the end of the season before the playoffs started. And he thought it was awesome that nobody else in the NBA wanted to play the Suns because they knew the Suns weren't going to take the night off. Regular season's about taking nights off. And the Suns never do. They come at you all 48 minutes. They never slow down. And that is just Chris Paul's attitude. And he is, he's gotten that permeated throughout the team because as Chris Paul says, the other crazy on this team is Devin Booker. And between those two, the young guy who's been here forever, the old guy who's been around the league forever, everyone follows their lead. And it makes it so much easier for Monty Williams to coach. Because if your team is tuning you out, your best players are tuning you out, as we might have seen in New York, um, if, you're, if your best players are tuning you out, no matter how good a coach you are, you're not going to be a successful. So it's been great watching uh, these guys take every game as serious as the fans want them to take every game because <laughs> we're usually in a season we're all trying to talk everyone off the ledge oh my god i can't believe they lost one game um and even last week zona you and i spent some time talking through what might the hawks have exposed with the suns and there were a couple of people including one of my favorite podcast buddies um uh, on another podcast fanning the flames on the bright side network called me out and saying uh that was a clickbait title uh, but what I wasn't, I wasn't saying the Hawks made the showed the Suns are a bad team. I was saying that if the Suns just play drop coverage the entire game because of McKee, McGee and Bismack and Aiton was coming back from the injury, if they play drop coverage against a five out team, they're going to give up threes like crazy. And if the other team makes them, you're you've got a little bit of trouble. Not that another team can do that four straight games, and not that Monty's so dumb that he would do drop coverage four straight games or seven straight games, whatever it is. I was just saying that that is a weakness um, in some of your centers, not DeAndre Ayton, but in uh, Javale McGee and and Bismack Biombo. They they don't they don't do um, uh, pick and roll with with you know switching and all that onto onto perimeter very well. So, um, but it's you know it's funny. The Suns took that Atlanta lost to heart and the next two teams um, just got waxed. And uh, one of them being the bulls who were second in the, in the, in the East. And then you've, you've got the Sixers they came back on and then they just completely waxed the bucks. 
on Thursday. And I, I just love how these guys take everything so seriously. Yeah. It's fun and to Dave, watch. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say real quick, just to, to Dave's point about how they're just locked in every game and not taking nights off. Uh, one thing we should talk about is just their, their pregame huddles. I, I'm sure you guys have seen those by now with, you know, JaVale screaming, you know, we're the best mother effing team in the league. And they're, they're just all jumping around like lunatics uh, with like this crackhead energy. That's just, it's just like contagious. So, I mean, I, I love that. I think that uh, that type of energy and chemistry is another huge reason why they don't take nights off because they're all fired up and happy to be there. So that's just, I love those pregame videos. I think Dwayne Rankin post, posted a few of them. Uh, so anytime those come out, it just kind of shows you this, this team is, is very close and the vibes are immaculate. The vibes last, are immaculate. Go ahead, PLR. Sorry. And I think last year too, Booker said, um, He's had enough losing. And I think that that still resonates with him. And it was the way he said it when someone said it was phrased, Dave, kind of like you said, a, a built in laws or schedule laws, or a zona said, or take a night off. And he, and he basically said, look, I've lost enough. So right. that, that goes back to, you know, his first few years here. And I think once you get in a zone where you're winning, you, you don't, ever want to slip back into thinking, well, if I just take this night off, I'll be fine because this night then leads to that night, which leads to that night. And then it becomes okay. And there was a stretch that not too long ago, we were sitting, you know, in section 102, watching him take loss after loss after loss. And I just don't think your mindset wants to even for one moment, allow you to go back there. And I think that's why Booker attacks every game the way that he does. He doesn't want that mindset again where a loss is okay. You want to know something crazy. Three years ago today, the Suns were in the middle of a losing streak, a 17-game losing streak, with Booker and Aiden and Bridges on the team to drop them to 11-50 and 50 on the season. They were in the middle of a 17-game losing streak, their second big losing streak of the year. To that would drop them to 11 and 50 on the season just three years ago. <clears throat> now they've won 11 of 12, or no, sorry, uh, so 11, 15 of 16, sorry, 15 of 16. And um, they've already had 11 game win streak, 18 game win streak. And they are, what is it, 45 and 10 right now? They'll, they might flip that whole script and go 50 and 11 instead of 11 and 50 with three the same top three players. Is Chris Paul the entire answer? Or has, was it that it was just too early for those guys to figure out how to win and they didn't have the right coaching staff? I think it's more the latter, a combination of the former and the latter. What do you think, PLR? I, I think it's, it's too much to, to point to one thing. I think the culture had to change um, from GM down. Um, and, and I think that, honestly, I think that's the biggest thing. There was a, um, there was a, a, a pre-game, not pre-game, a, a media day. And I remember James Jones, uh, someone asked him, or maybe it was Monty, about DeAndre Aiden uh, becoming a captain and taking a leadership role. And, again, I forget which one of them said, said it, but they said, we want him to be 21. We want him to learn. And to me, that shifted everything because under the previous regime, you wanted your just left prom 
first round pick to be the leader of the team. And he's the, the thought process was no. And then it was followed up with, we need grown men to compete in the playoffs. We can't mm-hmm. just have kids. So mm-hmm. right there, that told you the mindset changed. Well, once the mindset changed, then you see the players coming in change. We stopped getting guys with acne coming straight from uh, <laughs> borrowing their mom's car. So once that changed, then everything else slowly began to change. And we can't forget that there's a guy that's not here that had a lot to do with the change, and that's Ricky Rubio, because it showed yeah. what a real point guard can do for organizing an offense. And so then they went to the next level. So I think it wasn't just one thing. I think there was so many pieces, starting with the with the mindset and the mentality that then led to everything else. Um, and so I think that's yeah. why we're here. I, I love that's that point really about Rubio. Yeah, yeah, Rubio deserves that because I think he was our first competent point guard they had in so long, like with Booker and, you know, Monty just coming in, changing the culture. Uh, <clears throat> it, it's just a combination. It was just a perfect storm of, you know, they're, they're building up towards it. They had the young core that wanted to win, but they're inexperienced. And then you have a great leader with Monty Williams changing it. Uh, and then the bubble and then Chris Paul, it just, it just kind of all blended together perfectly. So it's not one thing. Um, I did have this kind of like realization though during the Bucks Suns game on ESPN when the broadcast was like it's an NBA Finals rematch and possibly a preview of this year that just like hit me I was like we're really here like after three years ago we yeah. lost 17 games in a row uh, we're at the point now where you know ESPN's talking about us like that it's just it's crazy how quick it changed but um, like I said it was just a perfect storm of of everything and and Booker deserves it for sticking through them and, and not complaining. You know, the whole point on Rubio, it's like a big stair step, right? It's like doing one of the hikes around town in the in the preserves where you've got a little mini hill you climb to the top of, then you keep going up to the next hill up and the next hill up. They needed the Rubio and Aaron Baines year. I want to give big credit to Aaron Baines for helping um, DeAndre Aiden recognize what defense looks like, you know, without using just as that natural born athleticism by, by calling out defenses and being loud on the back line and, and and tagging the right guys and and giving the right instructions. Um, I want to give Aaron Baines a huge amount of credit as well as Ricky Rubio for that interim year, the middle year, we'll call it, um, between the you know from worst to first. Because if Chris Paul had shown up in 2019 instead of going to the Thunder for a year, I'm not sure this Suns team would have reacted as as incredibly as they have through the, you know, the, when he came the next year, because at least they had the fundamentals of knowing what basketball, good basketball looked like. It's possible. I mean, obviously Chris Paul had a huge impact on the Thunder who didn't know how to win um, uh, that year. And they, and he got him to 54 wins, I think. Um, and the fourth seed, fifth seed in the playoffs. So he might've had that kind of impact, but I really believe Ricky Rubio helped make that middle step up the ladder so that when Chris Paul showed up, they were ready to go already ready to go and had had a lot of fundamentals. So when Chris Paul required them, they at least recognized what those fundamentals were. Yeah. So I want to give I want to big give big credit to both those guys. And and you know what? Rest in peace to Aaron Bain's career. Uh, he fell and hurt his neck this past year, and and he's just now he posted on Instagram or somewhere that he's getting back to doing day to day things, um, which is really really great. And he's trying to you know get back to a regular life. 
I'm really happy for him that he's gotten healthy again, or at least trying to get healthy again. And if he makes ever makes it back to the NBA, I'd love it to be in Phoenix. Uh, but, you know, just because we love our former sons and we have great uh, memories of those guys. <clears throat> so t- let's talk about DeAndre Ayton for a second. How do you think PLR, how do you think he did this week against Joel Embiid and Giannis Antetokounmpo? I think he did better against Giannis because I think he can flash his athleticism better. Joel, let's let's be honest. No one guards Joel Embiid. I mean, there, there's certain guys in the league you just battle with and hope that you offset them. You can't stop him. I mean, he's, he's, it's impossible. So I think he fared as well as you can fare. I think where he will get better as he matures is making other guys play him on the other end better. So that's where he has to learn that offset. He can't go at Joel strength-wise because you can't. But now he has to flip that and say, okay, I know you can do this to me, but watch what I can do to you down here and make him work harder. Whereas when he's playing someone like, you know, like like Freak, it's a little bit easier because this – and this is not an insult to, to the Greek freak, but the, the offensive skill set isn't the same. He's not as gifted with what he can do. And and, and B can hit, hit, hit a three on you and then come down and post you up. You Whereas you want Giannis to shoot a three. Even though the percentage may be higher, fine. If we lose with you in 10 threes and go on Steph Curry, then we lost that game to you. So he can use his athleticism better. And then notice Milwaukee doesn't really want to cross swap that. They're they're fine with swapping a tiny guard on him, which was just the stupidest thing I think I yeah. ever saw in my life. Yeah. So, so the big warthog <laughs> in comments. I'm gonna sub, I'm gonna support what you're saying here, PLR. Big warthog in comments says, "I noticed the Bucks didn't put Giannis on DeAndre. That's actually an intentional function of the Bucks defense, and that's how they beat partially how they beat the Suns in the playoffs last year." Now, uh, Monty Williams admitted immediately after the game that, look, man, this is just one regular season game um, in a series. It wouldn't every game wouldn't go like that because um, the Bucks found out really quickly that DeAndre cannot be uh, you can't switch a little onto Aiden when Aiden throws a pick uh, for Chris Paul or Devin Booker and they forced the switch a year ago that that worked. Because D.A. didn't know what to do with the little guy. He didn't seal very well. He allowed himself to be defended, basically, by, um, you know, the the little guy just posting him up or fronting him or whatever. This year, this time, it didn't work at all. D.A. killed every switch. So uh, the Bucks, it was intentional um, that they allowed a small to be on D.A. trying to smother the perimeter um, instead with Giannis and and, uh, and their other guys. Um and the problem is it just didn't work because DA has figured that out, which makes the Suns even more dangerous than they were in the in the finals last year. I thought that was great. So, yes, um, it's not like the, the Bucks said uh, before the game, uh, we don't need to defend DeAndre with height. It's that they just decided that they were going to switch and take their chances. And if real, real quick, too, two things, uh, three things I think ha- happened. He's listening to Mark Bryant, which is helping. He's accepting the teaching. He's accepting the toughness from from his backups, showing him how to do those things. And three, it's a lot different when PJ Tucker is that muscle guy that be, that's being swapped on you, where you got to fight a little bit more 
and when there's really a true little. And I think Milwaukee is going to miss his toughness and, and his ability to switch on to big guys and help them as opposed to right now, every now and then they're swapping that thug from Duke onto people who really can't defend uh, big guys. And yeah, I call him a thug. He is a thug. And you know what? When Mikel was driving and Grayson Allen went up to to, to stop the Mikel uh, dunk attempt, I was worried he was going to do something like he did to Alex Caruso, ending Alex Caruso's season by by throwing him down with yeah. two hands. So, but he didn't. I just want to say thank you to the Bucks because they're, they're such a likable team. Uh, and then they added Grayson Allen. So now it's so much easier to hate them. So <laughs> yeah. kudos to them. Uh, Very true. Yeah, I think in general, the Suns just defended Giannis a lot better. Uh, they have more size than obviously than last year. Having McGee and Bayombo is huge, uh, especially Bismack. I think he's kind of designed to guard someone like Giannis, but obviously it's not going to happen 1v1. You're going to need Crowder and Bridges helping out and the full team rotating. So. Um, you can't take too much away from just one regular season game, but it's encouraging. Uh, the Bucks will get Ibaka and Brooke Lopez back at some point, so they're going to have that size that the Suns will need to counter with. So um, I think they have that now, and that that's right. huge, not just for the Bucks. We saw three for, minutes of Twin Towers. Yeah, uh, we and, saw McGee and and Aiden next to each other. Um, to they didn't know exactly where to go. They both took the same spot a couple of times on the floor and uh, they, they'd have to figure that out. But Greg G points out that that's obvious playoffs change everything. And in a series, this game's a lot closer. <clears throat> um, the Bucks figured out what the Suns could do last year. The Suns went up 2-0 in the finals. The Bucks figured it out, adjusted their defense and dared the Suns by switching everything, dared the Suns to uh, beat them like they did on Thursday night. And they tried that defense again and it didn't work. So guess what happens? okay, now you're going to defend DeAndre. You're not going to switch so much. You're going to guard the post more. You're going to have a lot more help. You're going to have a lot more sinking down. Guess what opens up? The corner threes. Guess what opens up? The all-star guards. You know, I mean, you got to pick your poison with this Suns team. I actually feel better um, if the Bucks change up their defense than, uh, the, you know, it's just the Suns have so many weapons and DeAndre is a much more uh, of a potent weapon on any switching. So now you can't do that. Now you've got to go back to that drawing board and open up our all-stars and our corner three-point shooters. Yeah. That's and, and last year, last year they needed uh, JaVale's size. And then this year it's just kind of like they, they need that small ball, Torrey Craig, bigger forward. So I think having both of those guys, you know, there could be some series where they don't, you know, for, for example, like the Lakers series, they would have needed JaVale last year, uh, obviously the Bucks series. But then against teams like, the Clippers in Denver, that's going to be where Torrey Craig's probably going to be playing and JaVale's going to probably sit on the bench. So I think just having that luxury of you have the depth if you need it, it's there, yeah. but you're also versatile and you can kind of change the way you play without changing the way you play. So uh, this guy, Greg Harvey on Twitter put out um, that the Suns are one of 20 teams. That sounds like a lot, but it's one of 20 teams who've won 45 of their first 55 games in a season, 11 of those went on to win the championship. Um, I think the uh, many of the others were in the finals. I've got to look at that. I've got to do some research on, on who those teams are. Um, and I'll write that for Bright Side of the Sun this coming week because I think that's incredibly interesting. Um, like, for example, um, I'm pretty sure that all the Golden State Warriors teams of that four or five year run 
won 45 of 55 and they won three out of five championships, but they were in the finals the other two years. So, and they only lost the finals because of injuries or suspensions because um, the one against the Cavaliers, they lost um, Draymond for a suspension, I believe. And, and then of course that last one against the Raptors, they lost both KD and uh, Clay for that final deciding game. So um, I think that bodes pretty well for the Suns' chances of making it to the finals. And now I think I saw on Friday after they beat the Bucks, uh, the Suns now do have the best odds uh, according to the sports books, whereas the day before they were like third. All right, let's move on. We got four true false questions. I'm going to ask you guys, and um, uh, let's see. We're going to iterate through these, and I want the I want the folks in the chat to also answer the questions. Here's our true false section here. First true false question. We're going to start with Zona. The Bengals will win the Super Bowl over the Rams. True or false? I was kind of back and forth on this one a little bit. I think the Rams are the clear favorites. They're at home. Uh, their defense is way more talented. And, you know, the Bengals O-line is, is pretty banged up. But that being said, do I trust Matt Stafford in a Super Bowl game? I don't. So I'm going to go with the Bengals uh, in a weird – they're going to win it in some weird way. And or, or no one's going to see it coming. So that, that's my pick. How about you, PLR? Hell No. The Bengals are going to get stomped. I, I I like Joe Burrow, and I don't have a horse in this race. I'm a Bears fan. We were eliminated from the playoffs in week two. So I, I just, I, like I said, I have no horse in this race. I watched Matt Stafford for years go Staffording in the third and fourth quarters. He hasn't done that this year. If you look at his stats in the fourth quarter, Staffording. probably the, the best fourth quarter uh, quarterback in the NFL this year. And I don't want to get hit by Aaron Donald. I don't care what Joe's yeah. done. I think he's great. He's a good kid. He's a good story. And everything you hear are airs Bengals. Notice the Rams are saying nothing. The only thing that one of them said was, hey, why are you asking me? It's his Joe Burrow Super Bowl. Right there tells me that defense is going to show something. This will be a blowout. You'll be interested <laughs> in watching a halftime entertaining and wondering, which person's going to curse and it's going to go through, is going to slip through the TV channel. Will it be Eminem or Dre? Because that'll be the only thing we'll be wondering. Do your DraftKings bet on that over under who curses first <laughs> and he gets through? Because this game is already over. This game is not already over. That is absolutely ridiculous. Um, I do think it's funny that um, the Suns have some tie to this Super Bowl. Mikkel Bridges and Cam Johnson. Uh, Mikkel is a big Rams fan, huge Rams fan, has been. Uh, and Cam uh, grew up, for some reason, he became a Bengals fan. He told us the story once, and I forget the details, but he's been a Bengals fan for a long time. Oh, since Chad Johnson, because of C. Johnson, that's why. Um, so he's been a Bengals fan. And they have a bet that the loser of the, uh, of the Super Bowl has to wear the jersey of the other team, the uniform of the other team. But they also, Mikel threw out there, this is our second true-false, Mikel threw out there that he also wants part of the bet to be that the loser has to man a lemonade stand the day after the Super Bowl has to run a lemonade stand. Um, I don't know what, I don't, I don't get it, but I can imagine the sun setting up the losing player with a lemonade stand outside Footprint Center one afternoon and giving away free lemonade to get the fans down there for a fan fest kind of thing. They have true to be wearing, or false. 
And I was just going to say to add that they have to be wearing the other team's jersey too. That's part of it. And the other team's so jersey. It's like a public humiliation type. So Zona, do you think that's going to happen? True or false? I do. I think uh, they'll do it, but I, I don't know if it's going to be like when there's a ton of fans out. I, I feel like it'll just be more like a photo op just type of, you know, we did it uh, during the middle of the day in Phoenix when no one was out here, but we did it. Uh, I so can I'll see those guys. Either of them actually pouring and handing out lemonade. I can see it. I can, yeah, I can see it, but you know, if it's like bef- like whenever there's a ton of traffic out there, it could get a little wild. So th- I think they'll be smart about when they choose to to do it. PLR, they, what do you think? I think just because of COVID, they would not be able to do it in a fan fest type thing. I think if this if this is 2018, without a doubt, they probably would roll the card out and and do it like that. I just think. Coming up to the playoffs, they they wouldn't throw that. They, they'd be more cautious about fans getting that close to get lemonade, uh, a handed off lemonade from your player to to some uh, some someone some anti vax. I let my own immune system be my guide. Guy, I don't think they want to hand lemonade out uh, like that to fans. So <laughs> I just true. I just think I just think that that part that's probably why. They could do it to, like, uh, employees maybe or something. Eric yeah. uh, Linares uh, said, can I request the Kool-Aid? We're already drinking the Kool-Aid, man. We got plenty of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so there's there's that. Now, my next true-false is back to actual basketball court stuff. Mikel Bridges once has once exceeded, I think only once exceeded 30 points. He's got 34 a year ago, last year sometime. Cam Johnson's career high is 24 points. But they're both on a tear offensively recently. Who, uh, a true or false, PLR, that Cam Johnson will score 30 plus points in a game this year before Mikel Bridges does? True or false? Reluctantly true. And here's why I say reluctantly because he plays with the second unit. If the Suns are blowing someone out and he's in rhythm, I think he will keep shooting. Whereas Mikel, if they're blowing someone out and he has to share, his shots as a starter with Chris Paul and Booker and Aiden. And if they're blowing someone out, he would probably come out of the game. So that's why I would pick Cam Johnson, even though I think Mikel could do it easily, more easier, or that's, you know, I'm supposed more to easier together, more easier. I just think that because of the way that he's a starter, it, it would happen for Cam first. Zona. I'm going to go false. I think Mikel's going to have a, a 30 point game here pretty soon. It's going to happen. It's going to be in the low 30s, but, you know, it's like, it's going to be like one of those games yet. Uh, I think it's a Pacers, right? Where you hit like six or eight threes or something like that. And now that 34, um, his career, I, I think he's just going to have a I night. Was, I think it was the Celtics. That was the same game Marcus Smart made 10 threes, but the Suns. That's won. right. Yeah. He had a good game against the Pacers too last year. That's what it was. So I think he's had a couple 30, 30 point games in his career, but okay, I think. Man. We're going to get one soon, uh, so I'm going to go uh, false and pick my guy, Mikel. I love the counter, the, the I don't know, the fourth option counter on the on one of the Suns' big, uh, most common plays where if if all the other shots are covered, Mikel just flashes in from the corner to catch the ball at the free throw line, do a turnaround jumper, and those are money. He's making like 95% on those shots this year. Um, plus, he's, but he's not getting as many threes. They're covering him on the three-point line, which makes the slashing a lot easier. 
uh, this year. So uh, Cam Johnson's the one getting the threes. Mikel's getting all the other opportunities and on the breaks and all that. So I think this is a real toss-up. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. True. Cam Johnson's gonna get his thirty plus because one night he's gonna make ten, eight or ten threes. I just feel like it. All right. Next. True. False. Aaron Holiday will get twenty plus points in a game before Landry Shamit does this season. Now, let me let me set the stage here before you answer the question. Shamit in his career has had nine games of twenty plus in his four years. Okay. This is also Holiday's fourth year, and he's had five such 20-plus games. However, Holiday in the Suns' offense, the point guard gets, obviously, gets the green light to shoot and score. Holiday is making shots at the rim, and he may, and he scores, uh, you know, he's, he makes high 30s on his threes. Um, Landry Shamit could get hot and should get hot at some point. He's had nine different games of 20-plus, but none this year in his career. So who's the first one who's going to get 20-plus this year? Zona. I'm going to say uh, neither of them. I, I don't think uh, we're going to see it. But if I had to pick, I would say uh, Holiday. I think he's going to – here's my hot take. I think he's going to take Shamit's uh, spot. And, you know, it's going to be Payne and, and Holiday as the, the backup guards. Uh, and Shamit's just going to be played out of the rotation. I hope I'm wrong. I would love for Shamit to find a shot and, and you know, get closer to that 40-point – or 40% point uh, for threes. But it just hasn't happened this year. And when he's not shooting it, He's just not uh, as valuable as someone like Holiday, who I think can do a little bit more um, on both ends. Ah, Blaze, hold on. Blaze said, "Who gets it first? Booker gets seventy, or Alfred Payton hits two free throws?" Wow. <laughs> okay, PLR, you can answer both of those if you want to. Zona, put some respect on Landry's name, man. It's gonna be Land. It's gonna be Shamit. He is a shooter. He's just in a slump. I, I you know. I've always liked him. I just think that I like his game. I like his stroke, and I definitely think he's going to uh, do that. And, and my, my money's on Alfred. He's going to hit two free throws next week. Now, do they have to be in a row? <laughs> That's the question. Can they it have to be, be in the, the same trip to the line, man. Okay, because I was saying he can hit the back end, the <laughs> second, no, and then come back the and the first. Okay, well, now you're asking a lot. So, uh, <laughs> hack <laughs> Elf. No, I'm still I'm still with Elf on that, but I think Shamit And I'm a fan of I'm a fan of Elf on the shelf. So I'm gonna say Booker <laughs> has a better chance of hitting 70. <laughs> wow. Put some respect on these guys' names, gentlemen. Hey, Shaman's Elf. been in a season long slump, so he needs I, I like him. I like the pickup initially, but he's gotta start shooting it. That's his specialty, and he's just not he's not bringing it. And uh I hope I'm wrong. I would love for him to have you know, he's had a couple moments where it's like maybe he's starting to heat up and then then he got COVID, and then now he gets hurt. So it's just kind of like a he hasn't really put it all together. I think he probably will, but it wouldn't shock me if Holiday took his spot. So that, that's my take. I'll stand by it. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, okay. Holiday plays with his hair on fire, I think. We'll find out in the next week what he looks like with the Suns. Um, that would be interesting to see. If uh, if Holiday gets those uh, the, gets those minutes next to campaign, that would be very interesting. I like Landry Shamit too. I think he uh, puts a lot of effort out there, but I think he's in his own head on his shooting, and hopefully that'll clear up, and he'll just start making some shots. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go that Shamit's gonna get it. So I'll say false because the question was, would Holiday get 20 plus before Shamit? So I'm gonna say false. All right, now we're gonna move on. We're gonna preview next week. We're a little over an hour already, so we're going to start wrapping this up. Um, but 
the Suns have three games before the All-Star break. So next Sunday is the All-Star game. Um, in which uh, in the All-Star weekend, the Suns are only going to be represented by the guys we that were obvious, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and Monty Williams and his staff. Um, they didn't get Cam Johnson in the three-point contest for some reason, even though he's leading the league in threes. And David Nash, David Kevin, however you want to go after, uh, talk about uh, or say his name, four-point play on Twitter, pointed out that um, Cam Johnson and Luke Kennard, who is in the three-point contest, have exactly the basically the, exactly the same numbers on threes this year, and Kennard is much worse on a much worse team. So how the heck the league overlooked Cam Johnson? We don't know, but he's not going to be in the in the All Star game. Um, but the Suns have three games this next week. Uh, they play the Magic on Saturday night, thirteen win Magic against the forty five win Suns. <clears throat> then they play the Clippers, where Cam Johnson might actually go up head-to-head and try to prove to Luke Kennard that he should have been in the three-point contest ahead of Luke. And then on the final game of the week before the break, the Suns play the Houston Rockets at home. That is the annual Brightside Night. I'm going to talk about Brightside Night in a sec. Um, But you guys, that is our annual Brightside Night. We're going to have a ton of fans that you guys donated tickets to at that game on Thursday. So we got three games, Magic, Clippers, Rockets. How are the Suns going to do PLR? I think they're going to go three and zero, but this is crazy. I think the Rocket game is the game that is the one that will be in danger, and 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 I really believe that. Here's why. Here's why. I like the way the Rockets play. They just don't know how to play yet. They're young, so they they play hard. You get the effort from guys. You get the points from guys. They just fall apart. They just recently beat someone at home that they should have lost to. So, and then when you're going into the all-star break, it's different this year. Your coach is going, your two guards are going, you have Cam Johnson who you sh- who you believe should be going. The mentality is different. So I think if there is a game, they really have to put their guard up for it's that Wednesday getaway before the big weekend, before the showcase. Now I'm not saying they're going to lose. I'm saying if there was a game to lose, it's that one, but I'm going to. Ooh, not the game I gave all the tickets to. Come on, man. Well, I'm just being. I, I, look, I'm sorry. I'm a fact teller. Okay, there's fortune tellers teller. and there's fact tellers. I'm a fact teller. That's what I do. That's what that's my mission in life. So that's the, the sun, game. To watch so the Suns for. have not yet proven to you that they don't take any games off. No, that that isn't it though. Everything is a different learning process. Last year, Booker could care less about the All Star game. We saw how pissed he was the way he got named. This year, it's, it's different. They're going into the showcase as the best team, the best coach, the best the best uh, backcourt in the league. I'm not saying they're going to take the night off. I'm not saying they're going to slip it. But you got to remember, the Rockets have some young guys that get paychecks on the 15th and the 31st, too. And they're going to go in saying, we don't have anybody in the All-Star game. I bet you if we beat these guys, someone's going to notice up and you, notice us. And you got Kevin Porter Jr. You got all these young guys that actually can play basketball. They just don't know how to put it together. And that's why I said it's a lookout game, not a lose game, but a lookout game. So what's your prediction? 3-0. You're still saying 3-0. I'm saying 3-0. Zona, what do you say? So first of all, to go back to Cam Johnson, that that is an absolute joke. Uh, At the time they released that list, he had a higher shooting percentage from three than everyone on that list. Mm -hmm. And he's shooting at a pretty decent volume too. He had the longest streak of two plus threes made. Uh, in the league for a while. So 
I just don't get it. The league just for some reason just turns their turns their head when it comes to the Suns. So uh, do a better job in marketing the Suns, please. And uh, to go to this week, I think they're going to go three and zero. I do think they're, those trap games they could all ha- like have some problems, but it's more of going to be one of those fake comebacks that you know these teams will make, or maybe they head into the fourth with a lead and everyone's panicking on the Twitter, and then it gets down to five minutes and clutch time. The Suns just put away a young team, but uh, I think PLR is right. You can't take them too lightly. Uh, they have talent. They just don't know how to put it together. And the Suns do. They're experts at closing games out. So hopefully it doesn't even get to that point. But I do think uh, we're going to go 3-0 here. All right. I'm going to predict 3-0 as well. Um, I want to talk about Brightside Night here real quick. We are over 3,000 tickets. We're about 3,000 tickets being donated right now to first responders and healthcare workers. 3,000. That's incredible. And uh, they're all going to the game next Thursday night. So um, it's, it's just going to be so fun. It's going to be great. And all the donors that are local and can make it to the game are able to go as well. Uh, those who donated 10 plus tickets uh, for first responders and healthcare workers are getting in for free into the game. Uh, and we got, we got a pregame interview with the head of strategy for the Suns, uh, basically their scouting department, but they're calling it strategy now. And it's, it's going to be, it's going to be really great. So I want to play you the video. Uh, this is the final day to donate. If you donate today, the Suns will match your donation and uh, you can get yours in. So you can get some first responders and healthcare workers to the game. And you can even make your own nominations of who you want to send. There's a nomination button on there as well. So Listen, watch this video real quick, and we'll be back in a minute. I just need one more minute of your time. Being at a basketball game is such a rush. Screaming at the top of your lungs, high-fiving the person next to you, enjoying that last shot by the Suns. There's no better feeling than that instant camaraderie you get with thousands of other Suns fans at a stadium. We at BrightSideOfTheSun.com and the Solar Panel Podcast are proud to give that game time experience to new fans every year. We call it Brightside Night. We donate game tickets to targeted groups around the Valley who've never had a live game experience. Over the past five years, that's been underprivileged kids. We've sent over 10,000. This year, we're focusing on healthcare heroes and first responders who've put their lives on the line to save others. Now, we want to give back to them. Let's thank them with tickets to the February 16th Suns-Rockets game. All it costs you is 11 bucks. What you get out of it is not only the satisfaction of helping somebody, but also of getting something for yourself. You're either in a raffle at the very least, or you get gifts, you get goods, you get tickets, whatever it is. You make a donation, you also get something out of it. Go to suns.com slash brightside. That's suns.com slash brightside. Brightside's one word. Make your donation now. It only takes a couple of minutes and you're not even going to miss the money. That's one of the proudest accomplishments of my life to do this. And I hope it's going to be one of yours too. That's contributing to Brightside Night is a huge deal. That's suns.com slash brightside. Yep, definitely. Please. This is the final day. Make a donation. I'm going to put the link in the chat here in just a second. Um, so you can do this as you're as you're leaving for the day. Um, so let's do our quick wrap ups. Um, Zona, do you have any final thoughts and where can we find you? Uh, no, just shout out to you for putting that together for Brightside Night. You've done a great job. Uh, make sure you go do that. And shout out to everyone that has listened. We've been around 
like 100 live viewers pretty much this whole time. So if you're on audio next week, try to join us at 8 a.m. on Saturday. Uh, but yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Zona Hoops. And, and yeah, thanks for uh, putting this together. All right. PLR. Dave, next year you got to do two nights. You got to do first responder night, and then you got to bring the kids back. Definitely so after the pandemic, the kids will be back. I just didn't yeah. want to subject that to uh, to kids this year. So you're you're it's such a hit. It's such a good cause. They they you can carve out two nights. You're that big in the valley now. You can <laughs> you can you're you're Dave freaking King. You get that that title right in the middle now. The Dave King. Dave freaking King. <laughs> but it's 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 a good good thing, man. Good good stuff. Good work on your part. Everyone should. Really appreciate the work you do to make that happen. Well, um, thanks. No doubt. No doubt. You can catch me every day on the Cave Show. Uh, go to sportscave.com. Cave is with the K. Hit the listen live button, 1 o'clock. We're there. We're also on iHeart, Spotify, all that good stuff. And the Twitter is at the Sports Cave with a K. But if you really want fun, follow my Twitter, uh, PLR on sports. I don't just talk sports. I hit people with some real pointing out that, idiots in the world that's my other thing that's i'm a fact giver to life and zona just real quick about cam johnson everything in the nba notices the sun's one year late think that's about true. that yeah it's always one year late so look for cam johnson to be in it next year of course all right everybody before you go um hit the like button on the on the on the youtube page right now while you're here hopefully you're logged in so you can do that if you're listening on the podcast, please leave us a review. Uh, please rate the show. Uh, we, I appreciate I, I'll read your review on the air. I'll give you big kudos. But also, I just really appreciate it. I uh, really appreciate the validation that we're doing a good job here. I thank you. And uh, just even leaving a review without a comment is great, too. A rating without a comment is great, too. You can do that, I think, on Spotify now as well as, as, well as Apple Podcasts. Um, so thank you so much for listening. Thanks for watching. For those who are on the live YouTube, listening. For those who come in later on, I appreciate you. You can find me on Twitter at Dave King NBA. You can find my work, uh, my written work at brightsideofthesun.com. I broke down all the trade deadline deals and what they mean for the Suns and how the Suns did them. Uh, um, and uh, we'll be obviously covering the Suns. We covered the Suns nonstop on brightsideofthesun.com. And we'll be back for midweeks as well as these weekend YouTube shows um, on for Solar Panel for the rest of the year. Thank you for coming today. Really appreciate you all. And please make a donation. This is your last day to donate. It's only 11 bucks a ticket to get these get another first responder or healthcare worker. And you can even nominate the person. So do it right now. Sons.com slash Thanks, everybody.